0: This is the Sibling Library Podcast. You will know when to start listening when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now.
1: Well, thank you, Dad, for that wonderful introduction. You're in lovely voice tonight. Welcome to Sibling Library. This is our second chapter, and we're going to be talking about a few different things today. First, we'll go around and introduce ourselves again. My name's Katie. I'm Julia. And I'm Megan. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go around and um, kind of do a little bit of an icebreaker where we each talk about a random book fact about ourselves. Um, and we're going to start with, last time we did youngest to oldest. Um, I suppose we could do oldest to youngest this time, so I will start it off.
0: I'm just realizing, like, I'm never going to go first. <laughs> well it doesn't make sense to go start with the middle why not?
1: We could do that if we want.
2: I could get out my equity popsicle sticks and do random draws.
1: There you go. Love that. Okay. okay. I didn't what is an equity popsicle stick?
2: So teachers have a little jar with popsicle sticks with all of their students' names on them so that everybody has an equal chance of being randomly selected.
1: Hence all right. equity. That'll be going forward though. We don't have those. Yes, not today.
0: Moment, but, okay, not today. <laughs> this is this <laughs> not- Not today. Starting with chapter three, we're using equity sticks. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Be prepared for that, people.
1: All right.
2: We can always also volunteer as tribute.
1: Yeah. Random book fact about me. As I am reading a book, I am semi-OCD about the number of pages within the chapters. (gasps) Me too. I have to know. I have to know, like... <laughs>
0: I don't think we've ever
1: talked about this no. before
0: either. <laughs> I thought I'm glad it's not just me. I thought that was a weird thing This is maybe it's genetic no, this is but, like one of the reasons I don't like reading ebooks.
1: yeah, mm-hmm. I've gotten used to it um kind of, but it's it's not that's part of why I prefer you know reading an actual physical book because mm-hmm. i'll I'll sit down and I'll know exactly how much time I'm committing to it um. And then, or roughly anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'll also, you know, if, if a book is sectioned off into you know parts or books, like book one, book two, book three, mm-hmm. I'll count the number of pages in the entire part of the book, so that I know, like, down the line, <laughs> how many pages I'm gonna I'm gonna have ahead of me in the next sections of of the book, um, not just the current chapter that I'm on. It's like a it's like a satisfying thing once I figure. Finish a chapter, I'll count all the pages of the next chapters that are coming up. Yep. Not, be- not because I'm going to remember it, but it's just like
0: a, a ritual, I guess. So. Same. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I totally do that too. I know. And to uh, keep it on the track of semi-OCD, <laughs> my book fact <laughs> is when I was little... This is before I could read to myself, so pretty little. Mom and Dad used to call me Marion the Librarian because I would take all of our books and lay them out on the floor instead of, like, playing with blocks or anything. I would have to, like, put the puzzle pieces together. So all the books had to be out on the floor, perfectly lined up and straight.
1: Did you put them in any particular order or was it by size? It was by size. (laughs) Well, that's yeah. what
0: makes most sense to a kid. Yep. It's this, is, this is why I have such good spatial abilities. Oh, that makes sense now.
2: All right. Mm-hmm. Megan? Um, So my random book fact kind of plays into the idea, as an English teacher now, and trying to encourage kids to um, just get into reading for the love of it, for finding stuff that they like to enjoy, rather than saying, here's this novel, we will read this together, which I do that too, but we also have choice independent reading. Um, But thinking back to when I was a junior in high school, we had the very rare opportunity, and I was in AP English, so we were expected to read, like, very high-level stuff. But we got the rare opportunity to read whatever we wanted for independent reading one time and just write a book report on it. And I decided to reread Matilda because every now and then I just like a book cleanse. I just like a book that I can sit down and read in one or two sittings just to say, okay, I finished a book. And uh, my English teacher didn't love that. She (laughs) gave me credit for it, but I distinctly... Can't imagine why. I know, right? I distinctly remember her comment was something along the lines of, Matilda is a great fourth level, fourth grade level book. And she underlined fourth grade level about five times. (laughs) Oh,
0: the shame. Oh my gosh. Would you do that to one of your
2: students? Heck no, but I also teach seventh grade, so it's a little different. I'm not trying to prepare them to be able to pass a college level test, but... Yeah, but
0: let's say (laughs) that one of your students came and was reading, like, Diary of a Wimpy Kid or something. What would you say?
2: Oh, I would love for them to read Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I think that's right in their wheelhouse I'm I, in seventh grade.
0: I hate those books.
2: I, well, because.
0: That's <laughs> <the laughs> a very strong name? word. Greg is Greg. Pefley. He's a little, he's a he's little turd. He's so mean. <laughs> and then, so they have a new series, and it's written from the perspective of his best friend, Rowley, who's. Oh, that would be way better. Such a nice kid. You would think. I read it. It's still all about Greg and Aww. all the horrible things he does to Rowley and I'm just Aww. like,
2: oh, this poor kid. Okay, I'm not going to read that then. I'd I get too depressed.
1: So these were definitely after my time in terms of demographics, but yeah. I I think I did read one and I I don't remember much about it, so it didn't stick with me, but is the intent to to model like it like is he supposed to come off as not the type of kid you want to be or is it supposed is it does it come it's off just, to kids as like oh this is funny and this is appropriate yeah. behavior and
0: i think it's really... more oh this is funny. Yeah, i think it's
2: okay. more meant to be funny as well. It's really mm. the the main wonderful thing about those books is they do such a great job of pulling the really really struggling readers who say, I never want to read a book, I'm never going to read a whole book by myself, they really, really, like, help those kids say, I read this whole book by myself, and I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. So, like, I know I definitely will never want my kids to, you know, act like Greg, but if (laughs) they can read a book on their own and enjoy it at the end of it, then I'm, I'm okay with it. Like, I, yeah. I don't, I don't care if my kids read *Diary of a lumpy kid.
0: I know. I used strong language. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you I used was, a four letter word. I no, I was just so just off. It was just off putting to me. And again, like, obviously mm-hmm. I'm not the target demographic, but, and you're right. It does do a good job of getting, especially the boys that yes. don't want to they mm-hmm. They just don't want to read if it's not a graphic novel or mm-hmm. something, so it's yeah. it's a good it's a good stepping stone it's just yeah, I wouldn't recommend adults trying to get into it yeah <laughs> it,
1: what do the the readers that you know your students or or your patrons at the library that have um completed those books and been excited about them, what is it that they like about them specifically?
0: That they're funny, yeah. And that they're, they're funny. They're, they're they're fast to get through. I think is
1: what they like. Yeah, because uh, instant gratification. I tell you. Yeah. Yeah,
2: they're also illustrated. I don't know if they're. Yeah. I don't. I, they're not really considered graphic novels, no, right? They're more. No, like yeah. Just illustrated
0: novels, I guess. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. They're They're not classified as graphic novels.
1: Okay. So we're going to do a little game. We're going to play the literary version of Never Have I Ever. So rules are the same as the game we all know and love and love to hate. Um, and I'll get anxious about playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no alcohol involved this time unless, you know, you're playing the home game, then you can, you can feel free to pour yourself a glass. Um, but basically we're each going to be sharing, uh, some sort of a tidbit about ourselves involving books and, um, you know, beginning with the phrase, never have I ever let's go. I guess this episode, we're going oldest to youngest. So I will start. Never have I ever dropped a book out of a moving vehicle.
2: (laughs) Wait, I can't remember if I did that or if Julia did that now. It wasn't me. So I guess it was me.
0: Or was it actually Katie? Was it me? It
1: was No.
0: (laughs) So let's try and answer the question. Clearly, Megan has no idea. I have never. But she's heard the story a lot of times that she actually thought it was her. No,
1: it was. (laughs) That one was definitely me. Okay. Explain. (laughs) So I was sitting in the back of uh, the family minivan. Probably around age, I barely remember it, probably around age three or four, uh, probably more like four, because I think, Julia, you were, you had been born at that point. Yeah. Um, And I was sitting in the very back seat, and you know how in minivans, I haven't been in one in a very long time, I don't have kids yet, so the, the windows, you know, in the back, at least in the old ones, they tilt outwards, like they don't roll down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just kind of like prop um, out. Yeah, they prop out. And, um, I was too young to understand the concept of when it was open and when it was closed. I just looked at that spot as a prime book ledge Mm -hmm. (laughs) and had all of my, you know, I was reading through all of my, uh, you know, little golden books and was, I I think it was Frosty the Snowman. It is. uh, Yeah. Um, to my parents' credit, our parents' credit, uh, once I started crying my head off, they pulled off. I believe they, I, think, I think it was on the freeway.: yeah, I, I don't think, think it was, it was just like Mom. One of them braved oncoming traffic and saved dear old Frosty. Uh, it's only got a couple tire marks on it, yeah, but <laughs> still readable. <laughs> still readable..: <Phew>. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. my turn?: Yes. OK. Turn. Never have I ever read a book in the bathtub. I totally have. <laughs> so have you. I, I absolutely have. I, I've only ever dropped one in. <laughs> oh, I've dropped a bunch in. I've dropped a bunch in. I've only dropped yeah. one. And luckily, I've it was not a library book. But...
2: So, never have I ever borrowed a book from a friend and forgotten to return it. I have never. I have never.
1: Katie... If any of us has, it's me. But I can't specifically <laughs> I know. say that. I mean, I mean, if I forgot to return it, well, how would I remember that I forgot to return it? Yeah. To be fair, that's true. I remember you like
2: <laughs> ruined someone's book, and you mm-hmm. like bought a brand new one and replaced it.
1: Well, I mean, that's just fair. That's the right thing to do. Only right thing to do. All right. So that was a fun game. Thanks for playing. Come again. Uh, we are going to talk about, we're going to get into kind of the meat of our discussion. We, uh, during our last show, we, we kind of came up with a, you know, a a fairly standard topic when, when you're talking about books and, and stories that you love is, you know, movie adaptations of books. And, and we came up with some discussion questions for, you know, what are some of the, the, your favorite and least favorite movie adaptations from books? So. Um, we're going to start off with that. We're just kind of going to, going to go around and give our, you know, our, our most favorite and our least favorite, um, movie adaptations of books. Before,
0: before we start that conversation, I do have a quick question for both of you. Um, do you, when, when there is a movie coming out that's based on a book, do you prefer to read the book first or to see the movie first? Does it not matter? Like, what's your preference what What would question. you like to get spoiled on the book or the movie? For me, it's typically I would rather
2: get spoiled on the movie, so read the book first, mm-hmm. but I mean it also depends on what the topic of the movie is if it's something where or the topic of the book is if it's something I'm not overly interested in to begin with, then I'll be kind of I'll just watch the movie like I've done it both ways, but usually my preference is to read the book
0: first,
1: right yeah i I, I really look at, at books and movies as completely separate mediums, which they are. Um, and I, I think that, um, you know, to Megan's point, it, it completely depends on the story, whether it's, um, you know, a story that I, I'm already familiar with, but I, I don't, um, if I know that there's a movie coming out that is based on a book, it really just depends on what it is. I think I've, I've, I have no strong preference either way, honestly. Um, sometimes, you know, going to see the movie will will make me want to read the book or I'll get to the end of the movie and realize, eh, I, I don't really need to read the book. I'm not super invested in this story.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, I could kind of go either way on that. I probably more prefer to read the book first because usually, typically, like there's going to be more story in the book that they can't necessarily have the whole thing in the movie if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So typically I try I, but if it's something that I'm interested in, I'll try to read the book first. Mm-hmm. I think part of why it's
1: such a hard question that's a hard question for me to answer is that usually I mean there's there's tons and tons of movies that come out that were were based on books originally mm-hmm. that you know, maybe you don't necessarily know that going into to see the movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas when when there's a book that comes out that everybody knows about, like everybody's heard of it. And it's it's really successful and really popular, like, you know, Harry Potter or Twilight or Da Vinci Code yeah. or <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, I'm not, you not know, interested different in either.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but but you know what I mean, like th- those types of um, titles and and, and, and those types of stories that are, are highly anticipated that, you know, everyone already knows about the book before seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, usually with that type of a situation, I'll, I'll want to read the book first. If it's something I'm even remotely interested in, if it's something that has been super successful and a lot of people have really enjoyed, mm-hmm. I'll want to read the book first. Wait, so you've read Fifty Shades of Grey too? Only the first one. Oh, I've read all of them. Have you? <laughs> I couldn't get past the first one, I and I couldn't again, get past the first. Megan's are wild. Of the child. movie.
2: <laughs> I've only seen. I've read all the books, but I've only seen the first movie.
1: I, I'm. I, I will say I'm really glad that Fifty Shades of Grey exists, if only for the movie. The book club.
0: <laughs> that is a great movie. <laughs> so good. Yes. Oh my god, it's so is good. That
2: That one's not based on a book, though, is it? That one's just no. A movie, but a they all movie. read. Bummer. But they all read Fifty Shades of
1: Grey. In it. Right? right. I was yeah. just
2: wondering if there were a book that I
1: could go read. Good thoughts on that. So having kind of talked about that component of it, are we are we ready to delve into like what's our what's our favorites and what's our not so favorites? Yeah. In yeah. terms of movie adaptations. All right. I'll kick it off. Um, so the two the two that I came up with um, for my favorites um, that I that I could think of were both from the ni- the movies themselves—at least the versions that I'm thinking of—were from the 90s. Um, were the Adventures of Huck Finn with mm-hmm. um, Elijah Wood. It's from 93, and incidentally, invert those numbers. 1939. There was a version of it that came out with Mickey Rooney, which was also really great. And mm-hmm. I love, I love Mickey Rooney where he played Huck Finn. Um, I love that movie so much; it makes me cry every single time. It's really good. It's really, really good. I love that adaptation. And then the other, the other one from the '90s, which was in '94, was um, the was Little Women, the one with Winona Ryder and Christian Bale, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know a bunch of other people too. But those were movies. Like when I'm thinking about, you know, maybe it, it might not be answering the question in the way that we can all answer it differently. But it's it's not necessarily what was the you know the most interesting or creative adaptation of a movie, or you know, just these are movies that I just I watched over and over and over because I love them so much, and they're they're
0: just you know nice memories for me. So, can I ask a question? No. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you read both of those books?
1: Yeah, I was wondering I have... if
0: you'd read Little Women. You've probably read Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Huck I've read
1: Finn. I've definitely read Huck Finn and I was trying to actually, I was, you know, I was hoping this question wasn't going to come up because I'm not sure (laughs) if I've read Little Women, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure that I have. It would have
0: been a very long time ago. Um, I I know we haven't, but I don't, I don't think I've read it. I haven't read it. Katie, I don't know. You seem to have read way more than me, (laughs) so I would not be surprised if you read it. I Um, think I did. Probably because we watched that movie a lot so I can't imagine you wouldn't have picked up the book also. Mm -hmm. I feel like that
2: might be one rare instance where I was like I love the movie so much I don't need or want to read the book but it also might have been that I like I was young enough that I've watched that movie since before I can remember, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think when I first was watching that movie, I didn't realize there was a book. And then when I found out there was a book, it was probably when I was too young to be able to actually read the book on my, by myself.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And got intimidated yeah. it. Yeah, you were four when it. that came out, so.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. So that's, that's my, that's the top of my list. Julia, what's at the top of yours?
0: So I chose Coraline which is a stop-motion animated movie. And it's by Leica Entertainment, who they do really great movies. But this one is based on a Neil Gaiman children's book, the same name. And this is the only time that I can think of that I actually liked the movie better than the book. I feel like the book is great, but I felt like it wasn't a totally complete story like there were some things that were just kind of like I don't really know if I understand what happened there but the movie ironed all that out and just completely finished the story and animation is beautiful and it's just the right amount of creepy Mm -hmm. and it's just so good and I remember leaving the theater after watching it thinking I need to see that like a billion more times because I loved it. (laughs)
1: Neil Gaiman is kind of that type of writer. He's very, mm-hmm. I don't know if cerebral is the right, the right word, but, you know, I haven't ra- read a bunch of his stuff, but mm-hmm. I, he, I feel like his style of writing really lends itself well to the graphic novel medium. He um, does. You know, he writes. Sandman
0: is amazing. Yeah. He writes for kids. He writes for adults. Mm-hmm. Like he just writes for everybody and it's kind of, yeah. it's really impressive. I feel yeah. like, and uh, granted, I've only actually read uh, the graveyard book
2: by him, mm-hmm. but it's also really good. Yes, mm-hmm. I've seen Coraline, and just looking at those two books, the way they, the way the stories are told, or the, those stories, because I haven't read Coraline, like I said, but it feels to me like he gets these ideas from these crazy dreams that. <laughs> He then tries to put on the page that makes total sense for him when he's writing them down, but maybe doesn't totally translate. Like, maybe that's what it was for you with Coraline. I mm-hmm. don't know if that made any sense, but, like, loved, loved, loved Graveyard Book. Mm-hmm. I liked the movie Coraline as well. Like, I think he's a great storyteller. I just feel like maybe that's, like, maybe his dream or his stories kind of take on, like, that dream uh yeah. Pattern that doesn't necessarily flow in the typical storyline way that
1: people are used to. Mm-hmm. All right, Megan, give us your best.
2: Okay, so I kind of took this question a little bit differently because typically I always, if I've read both the book and watched the movie, like my response is usually that I always love the book more. This one rare occasion is more so because I didn't really love the books but I could stomach the movies. And that's Twilight.
0: (laughs) This is your favorite?
2: (laughs) Oh, shoot. Yes! No, yeah! I'm going in in the right direction. Yes, this is my favorite. So, and it's just, like I said, I interpreted the question a little bit differently, but this was the only time that I ever liked the books, or sorry, liked the movie better than the books. And that's Mm -hmm. because the movie you're not actually inside Bella's head you're not actually yeah like hearing the story from her perspective because I don't know if this was like it might have been the period of time I was a freshman in college when I read all of the Twilight books and so I was kind of coming into my own as an independent woman and so the constant hearing of oh I'm a monster I'm not good enough for Edward. Mm -hmm. I'm not blah, 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 blah. When actually he didn't really treat her that well for the first couple books. Like, so I don't know if that was just my perspective, but then when the movie started and, um, shoot, what's his name? Taylor Lautner was in (laughs) it. That was better. So
0: (laughs) team Jacob. Yeah. I was team (laughs) Jacob too. Not because of Taylor Lautner just because I liked her relationship with Jacob better than oh, I mean because it was
2: actually a healthy relationship yeah with healthy boundaries yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it was really interesting mm-hmm. I I was definitely team Edward but I think at the time it was just to take the controversial opinion from you guys yeah that's yeah, possible <laughs> Um, I also, you know, in reading it, it was also kind of the more traditional, like, romance type of story between the two of them, which, you know, has its own problems, but um, I I don't think that's a series I'm ever going to revisit, although, you know, you talk about Bella's internal monologue, and I know that um, the author just came out with basically the same story, but told from Edward's perspective, um, I forget the title
0: of it, Julia. I know we were discussing it. We were talking Do about it. Do you remember what it's called? I don't. It's too bad Amy's not here. Okay. Hi, Amy. I know. Hey Amy. Hi Amy <laughs> <laughs> loves the Twilight Universe. Which, oh, I I'm so sorry, until, which I didn't know until which I didn't know until recently.
1: You didn't? No. Well, I remember when they were coming out because we were, I was reading them at the same time as her and we were talking about it a lot. Yeah, she's she's all about it. But she what she said is that Edward's um, internal dialogue is if you think Bella's is self-deprecating, his is like suicidal. Oh, it's, totally. it's like a compl- it's so much worse than than hers was at any point in the books. So. Yes,
2: so let's get these two beings with zero self-esteem into a <laughs> codependent relationship.
1: <It's>, yeah, <laughs> I mean obviously. I mean that's drama at its best, right? I mean, what where where would the story be if not for that? Yeah, it would just be it it would it, it would have gone nowhere. Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Moving that on. Was, that was <laughs> that was the worst of the best, Megan. Good job. You <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So then we're gonna go around and talk about our our least favorite um, ad- movie adaptations from books and. The one that I'm going to talk about is is one of my one of my favorite books is uh, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Oh yeah, that's a good one. You know the, is it the movie a good one? came out. Well, the book and... is <laughs> the book is I the, I love the book, and then I was I was really excited for the movie to come out, and you know it it was fine. <laughs> it, it, it it was fine. I only watched it once. Um, but I've read the book like five times, so that's that's kind of all you need to know about that, I suppose. It was, you know, honestly, if I had it, to, to say some good things about it, the way that they filmed and created the the battle room scenes, you know, in the in the school when they're all doing these simulated battles against the teams and and whatnot, and like the zero gravity they, things. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, and the zero gravity things. I think that was visualized as well as it possibly could have it's, you know, those, those scenes were, were kind of difficult to read. They were really interesting and, and completely exciting, but it was, it was a little hard for me at least to visualize the way it was describing the movement through the room and what was happening. But I think that was uh, from that movie. That was my favorite aspect of it was the way that that kind of came to life. But, you know, other than that, I didn't love the casting the the boy the little boy that played Ender didn't it, he just wasn't the Ender from the book so you know and again like typically I, I go into movies thinking you know this is this is not going to be the book because I otherwise I know I'm going to be disappointed um, so I wasn't mad at it but it just you know I didn't go back and watch it again so that's that's that um, yeah that's mine how about you Julia
0: so. I was mad at this adaptation. My worst is from my favorite series of all time Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I was pretty angry when we left this movie because I felt like they really left out some really important plot points from the movie that were not only important for that story, but to, like, set up the rest of the story. Mom and Dad went and saw the movie with me, and when we left, they asked me so many questions because they were like, I don't, they didn't see how it fit in. They didn't see, the way they told the story did not explain enough. Our parents never read those books, by the way. Yeah, and typically, typically they wouldn't have to ask me about plot points. After the movie, because they would have, they did a fine job, including the information that you needed, but specifically, they didn't explain who made who, the marauders who, map. Who, who made the marauders' yeah. map and what the significance of um, wormtail prongs, padfoot and um, Mooney? Mooney. Thank you. Mm-hmm. They didn't explain that, and that's like really important
1: and it probably would have taken like 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's why,
0: that's why I was mad. Mm-hmm. Um I think I've seen that movie the least out of the whole series. Um and it's funny though cuz my least favorite book in the series, which is um Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, is my favorite movie of the series. So <laughs> explain that to me. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have to, I have to, I
1: 100% agree with everything you said. And as we were putting, as I was putting my list together, that was actually one of the things I had written down as both both the best and worst because, mm-hmm. yes, like all of those things about the movie completely frustrated me, but it's still my favorite movie of the series and it's my favorite book of the series too. Yeah,
0: I still, I, I just feel like if I hadn't read the book, I probably wouldn't have thought about it too much mm-hmm. and been like, oh, whatever. Um, but I was very familiar with the book and all the questions that mom and dad had to ask afterward was just like, they did not do a great job with this one.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: Katie, I thought Order of the Phoenix was your favorite book.
1: No, um, no, Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, and i it's really because it's, you know, it starts to take on that more um, adult and, and dark tone from the first two. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm the 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 second one i mean both both of the other two have intense moments but it just starts to take on this different feel and mm-hmm. i loved um oh gosh i'm gonna forget the director's name that that did prisoner of azkaban but he really took like like the whole look and feel of it just just kind of was different and i loved um kind of just how it came across the the colors that were used the very cool dark tones mm-hmm. um the little things that that he added um into it that that were you know not part of the books but felt just so organic to part of the world like the shrunken head Mm -hmm. in the bus um Mm -hmm. I love the moment in the uh when they're at the leaky cauldron and there's and the witch is going to clean the room and (laughs) she's like is she knocks on the door and (laughs) and gets this like roar that like completely blows her her ratty nasty hair back and just like oh come back later like it's Mm -hmm. you know totally normal occurrence um, yeah no I just I love the um, I love the movie and I love um, the the time travel aspect of it I always think that that's a, a fun it's it there's plot holes galore whenever you throw time travel into any <laughs> any story I don't care I still, I'm a sucker for it yeah cough cough cursed child but <laughs> we don't have
2: to go there right now
1: yeah. all right Megan
2: my least favorite and if you don't if you've never read my sister's keeper by Jodi pico pico the i think it's Picolt. Mm-hmm. Jodi, yeah. i'm gonna call her picolt if you listen and you know how to pronounce it let us know um <laughs> so my sister's keeper i i enjoyed the book like i haven't read a whole lot of her writing but i i, I definitely enjoyed reading that book and I think that was one situation where I knew the movie was coming out, and I was like, I don't think I've ever read anything by her, so I'll read this one and then watch the movie. And I liked the the book. I did. The movie was good until the last 15 minutes, when they completely changed the ending to, like, mm-hmm. so if you don't want to be spoiled, just, like, fast forward a few minutes here. But, so in the book there's two sisters. One is born with all of these illnesses, and then the second one is born, she's like a test tube baby. The parents specifically choose the genes they want her to inherit um, when they create her, I guess. So she's a an IVF baby. And once she's born, she goes through all of these different operations to help save her sister, like kidney donations and organ donations and bone marrow transplants and all of this stuff and then at the end like ultimately the older sister just kind of wants it all to stop like because she doesn't want to be suffering anymore she doesn't want her sister to be suffering anymore so she goes through a fight to like she sues her parents to get them to stop um, operating on her and at the end of the book like she wins the battle but her sister dies in a car crash, and they end up harvesting all her organs to save the older sister anyway. So she ended up being, like, she, this is the I book version. I just heard
0: Katie's heartbreak.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You've read this, haven't you, Katie? She, I don't think I haven't has. read it, but I, I know of it. I basically okay. knew the story, but I didn't realize that happened in there.
2: Well, I mean, if that broke your heart, then just watch the movie, because in the movie, Lord. she doesn't die. The older, like, she just, the older sister just ends up dying from all of her diseases because the younger sister that was specifically created to save the older sister lets her older sister, you know,
1: stop fighting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, had, I actually I yeah. kind of
1: just hearing it i actually kind of like that ending
0: better i don't know i had issues with both the movie and the book
1: <laughs> oh
2: definitely <laughs> definitely but like from a, a storyline standpoint like just a, from a fiction story obviously if this was a true story which i don't think it is based on it i hope it's not based I, on. i a don't
0: true think story. so
2: but like from for me personally my i like stories that have like parallels and stuff that like kind of you can tell the ending was planned before the author even wrote the beginning you know Mm -hmm. and like knowing that the younger sister was always going to die to save the older sister in the end made the whole story like you had all of those emotional ups and downs Whereas with the the movie, like, your emotions just go in one direction, and then they just kind of plateau. Like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So everything turned out the way the older sister wanted. She died. The younger sister got to survive. But, you know, I don't know. That was my least favorite that I can think of.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I almost used that one, but I had a sneaky feeling. I had a sneaky feeling (laughs) that might be yours. Yeah,
2: you had a correct fulfilling. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, what do we think? So, you know, having kind of talked about all of this in terms of, um, you know, kind of looking at fr- looking at that from the other side of things, do you guys have any movies that you think should be made from books that that you love that you think would just really lend themselves well t- to a movie adaptation?
2: So. If you listen to our first episode, like I have a couple and I'll keep the first one brief. But if you listen to our first episode, then you heard a little bit about Unicorn Chronicles. I think those would meet like maybe not a separate movie for each one, but maybe if they combined a couple of them into one movie, I think would be great. If you want to hear more about that, go back and listen to our first episode. But the other one that I, um, it's a, a two book series called Toby Alone and Toby and the Secrets of the Trees, um, written by Timothy de Fumbel. Um And it's about essentially this, this teeny tiny miniature tribe of humans that live in a tree and think that the tree is the entire universe. And it's like this just giant metaphor for the earth and how we're, you know, sapping the earth of its natural resources, but all of it is on this teeny tiny micro level of the tree um and it's it's a wonderful it's a i believe it's it's i don't know if it's juvenile or ya but it's um great for all ages because i read it the first time as an adult um Mm. and i think it would just be the coolest thing to visually see like being in a tree at the size of an ant essentially and having that be the whole world so i i would love to see a toby
1: alone movie Yeah, Yeah, I I read that at your recommendation and I would Mm -hmm. wholeheartedly agree with that. It was really good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Julia, any thoughts? (laughs) Uh,
0: I've been sitting here furiously thinking, and the only one I came up with was Paper Girls, which is a Mm. graphic novel series. But they're turning that into a show, right? Mm
1: -hmm. They are, but it doesn't exist yet, so it counts.
0: I, 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 how about, I'm just looking forward to seeing that in a different format because the books mm-hmm. are really great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that too. I'll say <laughs> that, um, there's a, a graphic novel, um, uh, well, it's, it's a comic book series, but it, it's, uh, it's called Once in Future, um, by Kieran Gillen. And he, um, it's just a really neat, story about you know this guy who finds out that he is a descendant of i believe king arthur if i'm remembering correctly but it's very much you know modern day uh, questing and um his his grandmother is like this undercover zombie killer basically <laughs> and it's just it's really really neat and uh, lots of adventure ensues so i think that would that would lend itself really well to the big screen Shall we talk about what we've been reading and what we're going to be reading since we yes. last got together? I'll start. And I will say that having started this show has really gotten me motivated. I've I've been much more productive in terms of reading than I am typically over the course of a month. Um, last time we talked, I was finishing up uh, The Magicians by Love Grossman, which I did finish and really, really enjoyed and then was about to read american-born chinese which was also really great um and I, we actually as part of our comic book club that julie and i are a part of um in conjunction with zeppelin comics in benicia california um wonderful wonderful comic book shop we actually had the opportunity to um Get together to discuss both this book, American Born Chinese and Superman Smashes the Clan, both by Jean Luen Yang. And Jean Luen Yang himself joined our Zoom meeting. Um, what? And actually <laughs> it was the coolest thing. It was the type of thing that he he jumped off of the meeting and we all just kind of looked at each other and were like, that just happened. That was <laughs> so cool. Um, yeah, he was he was very, very um, just easy to, to, I mean, easy to, uh, easy to talk to. Seems like a silly thing to say. I'm, I get kind of like celebrity shy every time Julia <laughs> takes me to some like book signing it's or something true. like that. I, yes. I, I, yeah, I just have a thing I can't, but he, <laughs> <laughs> he was, um, he was super personable and very, you know, generous with his, um, information. He, he was a, a teacher for like 15 years. So he, you know, very very practiced at lecturing. So he kind of just jumped in and told his own backstory and explained, you know, how he got into to writing graphic novels um, and just very, very interesting detail to, to learn about. And one little thing I want to share because it was really neat. And I, I know Julia, neither Julia nor Megan were, were a part of this meeting, unfortunately. Um, but one of the coolest things that he shared about, um, superman smashes the clan was he talked about the parallel of um superman to um an immigrant you know at its at its most basic concept that's what superman is he's an immigrant to earth like he's he's an alien Mm -hmm. um and that's part of part of why um his story has you know a lot of the um versions and and different stories that have been about him have had to do with dealing with those those types of themes. And one of the, the, specifically one of the concepts he brought up was kryptonite. And I had never thought of it this way before, but he talked about how, you know, when you think about what kryptonite is, it's like a little piece of his home that you would think he would he wouldn't react poorly to, but kryptonite is his like Achilles heel, right? It, it makes him weak. He loses all of his superpowers when it's around him, but it's from his home planet. So that doesn't seem to make sense. But if you think about that through the lens of someone who, who is an immigrant um, you know, if you think about specifically, you know, Gene Luen Yang's experience as um, being a Chinese part of a, a Chinese immigrant family and trying to fit in, with American children, um, you know, he looked at someone, you know, a, a a student that came in from, uh, from China who tried to befriend him after he'd been at the school for a year as his kryptonite, because he was going to like lose all of his American credit that he'd built up (laughs) because Mm -hmm. he was going to be associated with this other person. So it was just a really (laughs) neat and interesting parallel that I'd never thought about as like what kryptonite can kind of symbolize. So just wanted to share that because it was, it was a really neat discussion that we had with him. Yes. Um, that's interesting. And that's kind of not yeah.
2: where I thought you, that, that's not where I thought you were going to like say that he went with that. I thought you were going to mm-hmm. say that the kryptonite is just like their soft spot, their weak spot. So like when they have a piece mm-hmm. of their home around, they're not able to act tough and hard and yeah. strong. No, like it's Superman.
1: That's interesting. more of a, more of a literal vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it breaks down. Um, you know, the, everything that, that he, that he'd built up to, to kind of fit in, mm-hmm. um, in America. So, yeah, I had never looked at it from that perspective. Um, but it was really, really, really neat to hear how he thought about that. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, I've also read Meet the Scrolls, uh, which is another graphic novel. Uh, Marvel, um, if you're familiar with the Captain Marvel movie, it's the, the shape-shifting characters from, from that movie, um, and it's basically about a family of scrolls who are um, kind of undercover spies, um, and I thought it was going to be kind of fun and comical, kind of like the the characters are in the movie, but it was it was actually, you know, a pretty intense and dark story, but really well written, really well drawn. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and I also read by Raina Telgemeier, I read Sisters Yay. and Guts, <laughs> um, both uh, also graphic novels, um, YA memoir type format. Those were really fun to read. Um, the big book that I read was The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. It's good, right? We'll talk about it. It's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> I loved it. Um, it was really, really a fun read. Highly recommend and um, just to kind of round it out, I have started in on the second um, installment in the the Magician's Trilogy, The Magician King, about a quarter of the way through that, and I'm enjoying it as much as I did the first one. Nice. All right. That's what I've been working on. How about you, Julia? You are putting me to shame. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them were graphic novels, <laughs> but I did say, like, this has motivated me to to read more than I had been.
0: Um. I did finish what I was reading last time, so I read volumes two, three, and four of Harrow County. And I can't the library doesn't seem to have any more of the volumes, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate, so I'm kinda of stuck there to decide if I'm gonna buy them or not. Not sure. Um but those are super fun. Um I would not recommend them for Megan. I don't think she would like them. <laughs> um and are I think finished- scary. They're not scary, but disturbing, spooky, spooky uh, yeah the there's some kind of i I think it's cool, but there's like a character that it's the same being, but his skin is separate from his like muscles and stuff, oh, yeah, so I don't think you'd like it, Megan, but totally down right down Katie's alley, um, I've read some of it it's. It's very, very good. Uh, so I read those, and I finished No Judgments by Meg Cabot, which was fun. It was just kind of like a easy chiclet, which is kind of nice to read sometimes. I finished listening to Finding Dorothy by Elizabeth Letts, um, and that was fun. It, it, it was a fiction book, but it was The Widow of Frank L. Baum, who's the author of The Wizard of Oz is uh, visiting MGM Studios as they're making The Wizard of Oz. She's kind of trying to help Judy Garland become the best Dorothy she could be. So that was kind of interesting. And it was kind of told juxtaposed to uh, the widow's marriage with Frank L. Baum and everything that led up to him writing the books and stuff. So it's kind of of interesting. Um, And now I am reading a couple of things. I have... Uh, Lady in the Lake by Laura Lipman. I'm about a third of the way through that one. I'm not sure if I like it or not, but I don't like to give up on books either. And I'm not even sure how to explain the story because I don't know. It's kind of jumping around between characters and which sometimes makes it hard for me to follow along with. Um, so I'm just trying to get the the major plot points going on. So I'll I'll report back. I'm not sure if I like it or not. <laughs> um, and okay. then I'm also reading a kid's book called The Forgotten Girl by India Hill Brown. And this one is interesting. I like it so far. Um, I picked it up because we're getting to the spooky season. And this one's about a ghost or... It's it's got a ghost in it. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm enjoying (laughs) it. Anyway, that's what I've been reading. Good stuff. How about you, Megan?
2: Well, Julia, if you think Katie put you to shame, like I'm, this is going to be twenty seconds. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, well, maybe not, because I'll give a little reasoning behind. But so, as you guys know, I'm a teacher, and every summer, I'm entering my fifth year. Teaching And every summer, I make myself this giant list of books I want to read, and I will finish one. <laughs> um, and the, this summer was no different. So All American Boys was fantastic uh, by Jason Reynolds and Brian Kiley. Highly, highly recommend to anyone. Um, absolutely relevant to today's society. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Very good book. Um, I started the book Calling My Name by Liara Tamani, Um, also really good so far. It seems like it's going to be a coming-of-age story of um, a young teenage girl, Um, and I'm enjoying it so far. Um, But yeah, I'm also in the second week of school. Starting. So I cannot promise you that I will have finished this by our next episode. I'm just throwing (laughs) that out there.
1: (laughs) You can just give us a status update. Maybe a little more of a description of what's going on with it.
2: Okay. That'll work. I would give you a little more of a description, except I haven't I'll be honest, I haven't picked it up to read it in a couple weeks, so I might need to go back and reread the last couple chapters. I'm in a reading rut, okay? (laughs) I'll name it. It happens to the best of us.
1: It does. Next episode, how to escape a reading (laughs) rut. Really quick uh, point of order. I wanted to make a quick correction from our last episode on something that I had said um, about the artist of Superman Smashes the Clan, uh, Guri Hiru, is actually an illustrating unit. It's a team of two, two Japanese women um, named um, Chifuyu Sasaki and Naoko Kawano. Um, Chifuyu does pencils and ink, and Naoko does colors. Um, they, they're both art school graduates and were web designers and art museum receptionists before they got into. The drawing of comic books. Um, we mentioned that they were the artists for Avatar and also just wanted to clarify that's the Ava- Avatar The Last Airbender comic book from 2012 not actually the series but the art is very very similar. Um, so just wanted to to throw in that little correction because I I was not aware until having had the discussion with Jean Luen Yang that um, this was actually a team of, of artists and not just one person. Any last thoughts from either of you or parting comments? Books
0: are awesome. <laughs> Megan, you're always right on the cusp of royalties. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I'm on the cusp, so I'm good. Okay. Just as long as I don't fall into the window onto the street and have to pull over and go get it. Oh,
1: boy. Way to bring it full circle. (laughs) Nicely done. I told
2: you, I like things that connect from beginning to end.
1: I get to wrap up in a neat little bow. Yes. All right. Well, let's wrap this one up in a neat little bow. Until next time, read, share, repeat, and do it all over
0: again. We'll talk to you all soon. (laughs) That's what repeat means. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the discussion, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay, bye. Bye. That brings us to a close on this chapter of Sibling Library. Thank you for listening. Until next time, let's read, share, and repeat.